<laughs> wow. All of my family came. You are family. You know, your prayers and your generosity is advancing the kingdom beyond these walls, beyond this city, beyond this nation. You have stood with Amy and I and our boys Joshua and Nathaniel. 25 years we are celebrating. And what began with just a few of us together has grown to be a ministry where we have over 100 nationals now serving full-time. We've been able to help 300-plus orphans find a family, and many of you are supporting some of those kids. And God opened a door for us to, to open a school in the middle of a slum in a war-torn city of Bukavu, Congo. We're helping over 600 kids have a Christian education and a daily meal that otherwise wouldn't have an education at all. In Tanzania, you've stood with us to help us establish a water drilling program in that dry area and the 50-plus villages that now have fresh water. I wish there was a representative from every one of them here tonight because we would understand what Thanksgiving feels like and what it sounds like when you can actually get clean and fresh water. And you have stood with us to establish the training program, which is really the backbone of what we do. It's where we started. And we think about headlines. I think about this headline, Centerpoint celebrates 25 years of partnership with Empowering Lives. You see, tw just over 25 years ago, as, as I went being sent out from a sister church of Centerpoint, actually, it's in Garden Grove, Living Spring over there, they sent me out to Africa. When I got to that one pastor's house and I saw that little boy, swollen stomach, flies in his eyes, the entire church service, I don't know if you could even imagine a child sleeping right over there right now for the entire service flies climbing in his eyes, and I, I was so disturbed as the program went on, the service went on. But when it was done, everybody mingled and moved around, but that child was still there. And when I grabbed the pastor, I said, Pastor, look at this boy. We need to find his family. And the pastor then said, I know this boy. This boy is my son. And I was shocked because I thought, here's a guy who wants to reach his whole his village for Christ. He wants to to reach his nation, but he can't even feed his own family. And so that's where, when I came back here to the States, began telling the story, and my first time to speak was at Centerpoint, then known as Lamb's Fellowship. And I told that story of that pastor, and there's a family in this church who donated together with others, and we helped that pastor buy a fishing boat and a net because he lived next to Lake Victoria. And the next year when I went back, he was not only feeding his own family, he was employing seven other men in the village, and I was hooked. I said, God, what else can we do? 
What else can we do? And so going back and forth and back and forth to be able to start small projects among the churches and the believers, but then beyond, because we realized all people, so many people in East Africa were really suffering in abject poverty. And this headline, Centerpoint launches grain storage bag business. Some of you may remember, but some years back, it was around this time. Some of you are nodding your head. You said, I remember we took an offering on one Sunday morning to help Empowering Lives start a grain storage bag business. And some of you might say, why in the world? Let me tell you. Because people in Africa struggle to grow their corn and their maize. It's not easy. It's very, very difficult for them. And then when they harvest it, they store it in their home in these grain sacks. But there's a problem is as they harvest, there are eggs of these weevils, very destructive weevils. They're very small and tiny, but they can bore through that dried corn kernel and eat everything, and you're left with dust. In fact, if you don't apply, if they didn't apply a, a, a chemical, a powder, and they mix it up with all the corn, they dry it out in the ground and on tarps, and then they mix that powder in with it. But now research began to show that's why so many people were sick, even with cancer, because of this pesticide that people were eating. And even with that poison, the weevils would still destroy 30% of what was in their sack. But there's a person here in Centerpoint, Chris Olson, who worked in that field in the industry, and we began going back and forth, and Chris showed me an idea that was being done in West Africa, very far away. And when he came, we were able to partner with a local plastics company, and we made this sack that is able to seal off all oxygen. And we tried it, and it worked. And with no pesticide whatsoever, it killed 100% of the weevils. So we started manufacturing these, and we called them the Elite Grain Storage Bag, E-L-I-T-E, -E, Empowering Lives International Triple Enclosure. That was launched because of Centerpoint, and it was amazing because the people would put their grain inside and zip it. They would come back two days later, every weevil was dead. They were all along the outside. You could see them pressing against the plastic, going, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. You, they're too small for that. But listen to this. There's a businessman, a Christian businessman, saw what we had started in a small way, and he partnered with us, and in fact, he invested into it, and then we said, look, you can run this better than we can, and do you know, as I am with you today, that that idea that was launched because of your generosity has rescued four million pounds of food. And we could try and raise a half a million dollars to buy that amount of food, to give it to the poor, or we can give them a technology that I think is God's idea to help them save what they already worked hard for. You're a part of that. You are a part of that. And I thank God for you. And then this headline is my favorite. 
Jesus sends out willing workers and sees Satan fall like lightning. In fact, that's where we want to go now in Luke, the 10th chapter. If you have your Bibles, if you have your Bibles uh, at home or wherever you're watching online, so glad that you are with us today. We are so grateful that you are investing this time, and it's my prayer, the Holy Spirit, God will also speak to everyone here and everyone who's within the sound of my voice. Luke, the 10th chapter, verse 1, listen to this amazing story, and then I'm going to bring us back to how this applies to some of the amazing things God is doing in Africa and our opportunity to advance it today. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Now, even as I read that, I did not do it justice. Because if we can, even for a moment, put ourselves in the sandals of those disciples, 72 people, all walks of life, listening to Jesus, do you think he the Savior of the world, the Lord of lords, the one who knew he was going to give his life so that all people could come to know him as Savior. Do you think he said that, like I read it, the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few, you guys. So ask the Lord of the harvest to send out more. No, no, there's no way he did that. I know that Jesus knew deep inside that this what was about to happen was going to move the kingdom of God in a powerful way. You see, he had raised up 12 disciples, but here he says, what? After this, the Lord appointed 72 others. This is beyond the 12. He started with 12, but now this is the first time we see that there is now a bigger group. And, And Jesus appoints them, and he says, I'm sending you out he says, pray. Here's a few things that I want us to think about as we, as we move through this tonight. First of all, they were appointed. So Jesus said, I'm setting you apart. There's a mission here. I got something for you to do. So let's pay attention. <laughs> let's move forward together. In other words, he's grabbing their attention. I'm appointing you to do something you know, Ephesians 2.10 is one of my, it's actually my life verse, that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good work that God has had in mind for us all along. But look at the progression of those three things from Ephesians 2.10. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Do you see the progression, the being precedes the doing. The relationship with God becomes the fuel out of which we move forward to advance the kingdom of God. But so many times we get that backwards, don't we? Robert Mulholland is just an amazing author. And one of the quotes that has challenged me and confronted me is this. In his book, The Deeper Journey, 
He said, we can, be, we can be so busy in the world for God that we fail to be in God for the world. We can be so busy in the world for God that we fail to be in God for the world. Are we together? That's what they say in Africa. Are we together? The Lord appointed them. He sent them two by two ahead of him. Two by two. No lone rangers. Let's do this together. Extrovert, introvert. Go for it. I'm sending this person with that person. The fisherman with the accountant, right? I'm putting this guy with this guy. This man and this woman with that woman. I'm sending you out two by two because it takes a team. It takes the body of Christ, and he designed it that way. There's community, there's connection, there's accountability, and there's greater strength. We need each other, especially during this day. Don't you agree? We need each other. I need you, and you need me, and we need to hook arms. Not meet fingers like this, but let's hook arms like this. And say, because of who Christ is in me, I love you. And I'm moving together to advance the kingdom of God because he's appointed us. And Jesus then said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. The harvest is plentiful. Right there at the very beginning, Jesus reminds all of us, this is over our heads. This is beyond our capacity. This is bigger than we can understand. The harvest is plentiful. And if you've journeyed with us, and some of you have, you've come on a short-term team with Amy and I and Josh and Nathaniel to serve in East Africa, there are times in these villages where when people gather, when we show the Jesus film, or we have a crusade, and there's hundreds and hundreds of people, it's overwhelming. The opportunities that we have, the harvest is plentiful. You see... I wrote in my notes, the enemy has been allowed some jurisdictions on earth, but when it comes to the harvest of souls, people turning from darkness to light, God is in charge. Look at this. The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. Pray for the Father, the Lord of the harvest, to send out workers. Where? Where are we sending them? To send out workers into his harvest field. And I understand, like many of us are feeling, that it seems there's a lot of different things going on this year. I don't know if anybody's noticed. <laughs> but I want to encourage all of us to recognize that there is a bigger plan that God has than any, of, any single one of us can understand. And that God is the Lord of the harvest, and it's his harvest field. 
and he is looking for people who are in God for the world. Let's all examine ourselves tonight, even myself. Am I in the world for God? Or have I decided to be in God for the world? He's the Lord of the harvest. Then, then we see that God gives, a, or Jesus gives his disciples a few important instructions. Let me touch on them real quick. He goes, go. I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. I don't think I would have said that. <laughs> I mean, if you, if you got people that are about ready to go out and serve you, you know, I mean, the, the, the American marketing, right? I mean, we try and say, here's all the advantages. Here's all the good things. Here's how good you're going to feel. And here's how it's going to lift you up and make you better and your family better and your situation and your work better. So Jesus' first instruction is pray. Pray so that there can be more people like you who are going to do what? Go out like Lambs among wolves. There we go. He always cuts to the chase. He always speaks honestly. He doesn't try and cushion it. But here's the thing. We begin to think, when we hear that, what do we imagine right now? It's like we see ourselves as a little sheep, right? I mean, how many of you are saying, I see that? <laughs> In my imagination, I see myself as a little sheep right now. And then there's a pack of wolves surrounding me. But here's the thing. Let's not forget the first words of that. I am sending you. And where he sends us, he goes with us. So even if it's among wolves, he is with us. I mean, didn't Jesus say that in Matthew 28? Right? One of the last commands that he gives, he tells us, go into all the world, preach the gospel, right? But the last thing he says, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Let us have that confidence. Amy and I and our boys, we've had to have that. We have to rely on God. As we serve in Africa, I'm so thankful for our brothers and sisters. Our staff in, in, in East Africa are amazing. Absolutely amazing. I'm so proud of Christ in our team of nationals from Tanzania, the Congo, from Kenya. But here's some good news. Oh, let me, let me point out a couple things. Sitting you out like lambs among wolves. Uh, do not take a purse or bag or sandals. You know, when people come to Africa, one of the first things they say is, how much is it going to cost? And then usually, what do I need to bring? So we give them a packing list. But here we see Jesus giving all of us, especially those who are saying, God, I'm willing. I'm willing. He gives us our unpacking list. We have to embrace it. Why? Because the same Jesus who gave these instructions also said, I came that you might have life more abundantly. There's no contradiction there. As we are willing to step out, to sacrifice and move on behalf of the kingdom of God, there is a joy that this world can't give to us that begins to ignite deep inside of our soul. 
and it grows as we fan the flames. As we say every morning, Lord, orchestrate my steps today for your glory. That changes your perspective on your day. When you surrender it to him, say, Lord, orchestrate my steps today for your glory. Don't take a purse. What does that represent to you? There you go. What do we keep in our purse, even those days, our, our finances? And for, for whatever reasons, Jesus is saying, okay, leave those coins behind. Oh, and don't take that bag. I mean, some of those guys probably had a really nice bag. I mean, an extra blanket, some snacks, and maybe an, an iPod. I, they had some stuff in their bag, and Jesus says, leave your stuff behind. Leave your stuff behind. And then the last one that is almost confusing, sandals. We need sandals. Don't take your sandals. But you know what's amazing? You can look at it later, but Luke twenty-two thirty-five, Jesus refers back to this moment because he says, when I sent you without purse or bag or sandals, did any of you lack anything? And the disciples said, we lacked nothing. You know, I'm trying to learn how to play the guitar. I'm... I know I'm a really old person to start that. <laughs> but my son is playing it, and I just, you know, there's, I've always wanted to, but it hurts my fingers. How many of you play guitar? All right, you're out there online. But my son Joshua said, Dad, you got to keep doing it because it's going to build up calluses, and eventually the pain will go away. Is that true? It is true. And I see children and young people in Africa running barefoot. They play soccer. I mean, they run on rocky terrain playing soccer, and nobody's going, ow, ooh, ow, ooh. <laughs> They're just running with full force, and I can't help but wonder, isn't it time for us as followers of Christ to begin to build up that resilience as well? That resilience, you know, the American way, or the American dream, let me say, has been uh, uh, promoted to us as an ability to live with comfort and convenience and predictability and so many things that sometimes really scratch against the kingdom of God like fingernails down a chalkboard. So we want to be willing to say, God, what are you calling me out to accomplish for your sake and for your kingdom? But here's the good news. Jump, jump down because of time to verse 17. The 72 returned confused with sore feet and, oh wait, okay, there it is. The 72 returned, what does it say? With the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, <laughs> even the demons submitted to us. <laughs> to us? <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. They would say, demons submitted to us. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm sure they were shocked. Even demons submitted to us. What? In your name. And he replied, and here's the headline, I saw Satan fall like lightning. 
from heaven. If there's ever a headline we need to be reading today and memorizing and embracing every morning when we wake up, it's that one. Satan is falling. Maybe we can't see it every day with our eyes, but the God is at work and the enemy is still losing and he's losing big. In fact, let me tell you a few things that are happening in Africa. Let me tell you how as we've been training families for 25 years, training pastors to be able to support themselves and suffering farmers and single, single parents and, and grandmas and grandpas, giving them ideas instead of handouts. In fact, our mission, our vision statement is we, empowering lives is igniting world changers. Yes, we want to help the poor. We are called to do that. And we want to share Christ. But that's not the end game. We want to see people come out of poverty, embrace Christ, and be so empowered that they're igniting the world around them. That's why our mission statement is to provide, um, to provide training and skills to orphans and families so they can embrace Christ, crush poverty, and share their transformation with others. We're on a journey, and you've been a part of helping make this possible, and I'm grateful. But seven years ago, as we've been training people, we had a group come in that we had never the, the likes, really, we'd never seen on our training center. They were all doing an illegal business. They were all illegal brewers. And don't think that this is just your common, nice, cold beer. This is a highly toxic, high-concentrated alcohol that women, because they lack skills, have been making in the villages to try and sell just to earn a little bit of money so they can feed their families. And it's rampant. The president of the country has made it illegal. And we had 47 of these women on our campus. And we're going to train them. But as we asked them, why did you come? They said, to learn poultry, to come out of brewing. We wrote it on the chalkboard. I want to learn um, business a small restaurant, gardening. One lady raised her hand. There was 47 of them. She said, I hope to find salvation. We wrote salvation. And as we trained them that week, doing worship every morning, sharing scriptures, that they, uh, they all gave their lives to Christ by the second day. And when they got back to their village, their transformation was so real. We got a call from the chief. He said, I have 53 more who saw what happened. And then the news channel showed up. And then we started getting more calls. And here is what God is doing, friends. I don't have time to tell you all of the small stories, but I have many of them. But I want you to know as I stand with you here today that God has helped over 1,400 families come out of illegal business. Over 80% have given their lives to Christ, and it's still moving forward. In fact, there's a video, three minutes, that I want you to see visually what I've just described. Watch this.
you are Lord of the harvest. You are Lord of this harvest. And there's going to be people that you have never met here on earth that will see you and they will give thanks to God because of who you are and what you've done to help them come to him. But listen, it doesn't stop there. You saw Ruth in Paris. Ruth was the most notorious brewer in her community. Today, she is a follower of Christ. She was elected to be supervising elder in her village now. She has a donut business, a passion fruit business, a tree business, a potato business. She's also got three cows and about six sheep. This lady is serious. <laughs> and I'm telling you, were she to stand right here where I am, she would say, it's all because of Jesus. God is moving in a special way, taking the broken and turning them into leaders. During COVID, we couldn't have our larger trainings like usual. So we distributed seeds, soap, and Bible materials. And it was powerful. We were able to see relationships grow in powerful ways. Here's some headlines. Most wanted illegal brewer finds Jesus starts new business, and influences thousands. Here's another one. Chief Thomas sees more transformation in 18 months than in the past 10 years. He was combating th this problem of alcoholism for 20 years without success. He would arrest the women, but he heard about the ELI program on the radio, and he connected with us. And guess how many brewers he sent for that first training? Not 47, 167 in a training. And they've sent 24 more. I'm telling you, that whole community is at a tipping point of seeing transformation come, not just to individuals, but to communities. And that's why tonight, as you see that booklet that you have there, it's the story of Leah. I encourage you, take that. Take time to read through that, to see what these people who struggle come through, but then the strategy and plan that God has put in our heart now to bring hope to 300 families in the 50 villages now that have invited Empowering Lives to come and bring the resource and the training that we've offered. Like Chief Thomas and so many others, they've seen the training and the impact it's had on a few. They've opened their doors and they have said, come, red carpet, the red carpet is here. <laughs> Bring your training. And in so many cases we say, you, but, but the first one to step on the carpet is Jesus. And they say, well and good. <laughs> we need change. God is moving in a very powerful way. And I want to thank you as a church family for standing with us and for so many of you online who have been contributing and praying. God is answering those prayers and it is moving in a very special way. In fact, 
this other headline, right? COVID-19 cannot stop the movement of God's spirit. And so in this season, God has really uh, uh, given us the great opportunity and challenge to raise up uh, uh, leaders in every village of these 50 villages to reach 300 families in every village until the kingdom, we continue to see God's kingdom come. And I believe God is not done yet. Are we in the world for God? Or are we in God for the world? The 72 returned with joy. Are you experiencing that? Are we crying for that? Are we saying, Lord, orchestrate my day for your glory? Orchestrate my steps. And as we finish, I'd like us to pray. Can we unite our hearts right now? Let's just come before the Lord. Each one of you, God sees you. He knows your name. Here today or online, the spirit and presence of a living God is with you. He is he's surrounding you, and he's also speaking to all of us drawing us to him, desiring that we would surrender, that we would be willing to set aside the purse or the bag or even the sandals for the greater cause of raising up more workers. And, and I just pray even tonight that we would be those workers. And maybe tonight, many of you would say, you know, I, I really sense God just, just pressing on my own heart. And you'd say, if I were honest, I've actually been in the world more for God than in God for the world. I've been pretty busy, pretty caught up, pretty distracted. But tonight, today, this morning, whatever time you are, I want to let my Savior know I am all in. I am all in. I am, want to be in God for the world, and I'm inviting his spirit to forgive. I'm repenting. I'm turning. I'm asking God to restore me and renew me for this new day and this new season that is ahead. And if you agree with that prayer, you sense the Holy Spirit, would you look up at me right now? Thank you. All over. Just look up at By doing that, you're saying, I agree. Agree with that prayer. You come before the Lord, even online. The Lord sees us. He sees your heart. I pray, God, Lord, you see these, these hearts, these, these heads that are lifted and the, heart of the, and the heart behind them. And I pray, God, in the name of Jesus, that you would empower them to serve you. That though you would send them like lambs among wolves, God, you are with them in a powerful way in their cul-de-sac, in their home, in their school, in their workplace, wherever they are, Lord. May you use us to claim Marietta once again for your kingdom cause or wherever we are, Lord. May we be used by you. Thank you, Lord, for hearing this. I'm excited, Father, to hear the stories of what you're going to do. And as we continue in prayer, there may be some tonight who say, you know, I'm not in 
in the world for God. I'm not really in God for the world. I don't know Christ as my Savior. You know, friend, when we read on in Luke, the 10th chapter, Jesus, just a couple verses later, says, hey, this is great what you've seen, but the greatest thing is that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. He says, rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And maybe tonight or today, wherever you are, you would say, I don't even know if my name is written there. And you want to give your life to Jesus right now. You simply just tell him that you don't want to live life without him. You need him to cleanse you, to forgive your sins, and you invite him to be your Lord, to be your Savior, and to journey with you until you see him in heaven. If that's you, just indicate that. Would you just indicate that right now? I want Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior. Amen. Pray this prayer, Father. Pray this prayer in your heart, Lord. I acknowledge that I am a sinner, and I acknowledge that you died on the cross and you rose from the grave to pay for all my sin. Come into my life. Fill me with your presence, and I will journey as best as I can with your spirit for the rest of my life until I see you in heaven. And we give you praise for that and for all you will do. And we commit this all to you. Oh, Lord, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. And all of God's people said, amen and amen. May God bless you.